Welcome to the RHP Market Talk podcast, episode number 26, brought to you by Royal Harbor Partners Wealth Management, located along the beautiful Gulf Coast of Houston, Texas, serving families across the country. I'm Natalie Pika, founding partner. And I'm Glenn Royal, founding partner. I'm Jason Strzeski, investment analyst. Welcome to 2023, guys. Yeah, here we Glad are. Glad to be here. Glad to make it. <laughs> here we are. Um, I don't know about you. Uh, 2022 was the roller coaster ride we talked about all year long, crazy ups and downs. I'm hoping for a uh, bit of a smoother ride here in 23. I know all the focus has been on the Fed, and we had so many Fed rate hikes in 22. What are we looking at for 23? More of the same. More? <laughs> yeah, a little bit more. But maybe not as many. Can yeah, we, can yeah, we hope that not as yeah, many, yeah. right? Well, there's some silver lining. Yeah. yeah, right. All right. So, I mean, you know, we went from about a, a half of a percent all the way up to a four and a quarter. And now we're looking at maybe one or two more this year. Yeah. So right now, Natalie, we're at four and a half. And uh, the next month, the next hike, we're anticipating another 25 basis points. That'll take us to 475 and then another 25 taking us to about five. Now, the divisiveness across the street is really... Do we go higher than that? How much higher? Do we pause? How long do we pause? Everyone's kind of all over the place. And that's really kind of the markets that we're in right now, coming to the end of this hiking cycle, at least the first part, I'll say. Now, the good news is we're starting to see positive signs on the fight against inflation. So tomorrow on January 12th, we have the next CPI print and the street's anticipating 6.5%. Now, the the past two prints, we've come in lighter than expected, and we've seen, you know, strong rallies in equities because of that. Could we see that again? Potentially. You know, we've had not as bad, not as feared winters in in Europe, which has led to uh, energy kind of coming off the boil a little bit price-wise. Inventories are going up there. And then also, you know, we're seeing a lot of strong economic data. Uh, with wage growth, that's finally coming down, all while the jobs are still there. So that's a little bit conversing right there, but Mm -hmm. it shows us that the good news is we have, again, like we've said plenty of times on this podcast, we have a strong enough economy to be able to do this, all this hiking and the speed of it as well. Right, right. So the next two uh, Fed meetings where we're expecting these quarter point hikes will be February 1st and March 22nd. And what I'm hearing out there, big question is, will we hit 5%? Or will the Fed have to actually, you know, pause or will they have to reduce? Are we going to be at 5% here in 23? That's what you have forecasted right now, that we'd hit the five handle on Fed funds Mm -hmm. in the next two meetings. However, if you want to look at a proxy, take a look at the two-year Treasury note, and that's the market. So I've got the Fed that wants to do what it wants to do. Then I got Mr. Market. It mm-hmm. doesn't care so much. Right. Like that. Exactly. We saw that with the guilt issue in the UK earlier yep. this year when they had that big sell-off. Same thing. Mr. Market wins. Bond vigilantes. What the bond vigilantes are telling you is that uh, Fed funds are right now, the two-year trends at uh, 423. So we're good 75 basis points away from 5%. Oftentimes, the Fed is not able to hit that target rate. More often than not, that we may they may be forecasting five, but the economy kind of changes their hands as they get closer to that end game. So it's debatable. They probably will get five. We think they're going to hold it there for the rest sure. of the year. Uh, okay. That's going to be the, the grind of this is how long they hold these rates higher. 
that's what we're going to have to work through. So let, let's talk a little bit about treasury yields, which I know we've done in the past, but I think it's always a good reminder. And, and quite honestly, I, it's good for me to, to talk it out yeah, too when yeah. we talk about uh, the yield curve, you know, inverting and predicting whether or not there's going to be a recession. And are we already in a recession, the two versus the 10? Do you mind giving us a quick one-on-one on that again? Yeah. So um, so the yield curve is just a, it's a graphical plot of short maturities, three-month treasury bills out to 30-year treasuries. Mm-hmm. And it, it typically, as you would expect, the longer the maturity, the more yield that I would expect as an investor. So that yield curve has that positive slope right. that we normally see. What happens when economies slow down, recessions, is you start to see that yield curve start to shift where longer rates tend to drop down lower and sh- higher, shorter maturities because the Fed is raising rates. Yep, they're pushing on Pushes it. that end of the yield curve up to where those rates can actually be, two-year treasuries can pay you more than a 30-year treasury because of the Fed's action. Right. And typically, why is the Fed doing that? Because of the inflation. They're trying to slow down an overheated economy. They invert that yield curve. And, and it works. We're a little muddy in here, though. I, you know, I, I know we have some deeply inverted yield curves. It's been all over the financial press for the last few months now, a quarter or so. But there's there's some caveats here. Biggest one is that we're coming off of a monetary experiment of something called quantitative easing that happened after the 2008 financial crisis. And it is we've talked before about this. I always talk about I'm. I'm pleased with what's happened because it's normalized monetary policy. Right. We talked uh, earlier about Mm -hmm. the exiting of negative yields around the world. That's what we're seeing. So this is a good sign for us as investors, but the reset has been painful. Yeah. And that's a lot of what we were doing. Another thing I want to really stress is that a lot of these potential recessions, or if we have one or not, it's debatable. They can be driven by two factors. One is the economy. 2008 was a great example. That was an economy recession, banking, mortgage crisis, all that. This recession is Fed-induced in order to slow down the economy. I take it it will be the Fed that ends the bear market when they end their hiking cycle, or the market suspects they're near the end of it, which might be going on right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's talk about, uh, and, and Jason's already mentioned this, but let's talk a little bit about has inflation peaked or not peaked? You know, yeah. the data says it's both, both of them yeah. just shrug their shoulders and look at me. <laughs> I mean, as of this year, as of right now, sure. But if we all of a sudden the Fed makes a pivot too quickly and then there's a different train of thought where if you go into the other side of stimulating the economy again too early, too quickly, say end of 24, you don't pause long enough then who knows? Inflation could peak right back up. Arthur Burns was the chair of the Fed in the 70s, and uh, he doesn't have the greatest reputation. And part of it, I mean, the guy, you know, obviously was brilliant to be Fed chair. Yeah, of course. But he got caught in an inflationary cycle. And this, this is the concern in the market right now. You get caught in an inflationary cycle, and then you start getting pressures because of the job losses and things mm-hmm. that associate with Fed hikes. Right. You get political pressure, which he received back then, Burns did, Chair Burns. So they started to cut rates too soon. Mm-hmm. And that it's kind of like a smoldering flame. It just reignited inflation, and that brought Paul Volcker to come in his chair yep. and just jack rates through the roof. That's a little bit of a concern right now in some quarters. I don't know if it's a, you know, how much weight I want to give to that concern, yeah, yeah. 
because the Fed is why we were saying earlier, the Fed's going to take rates to five and keep it there for a long time. That's to prevent the reigniting of inflation that the chair Burns had. They don't want to repeat Burns. Right. They want to repeat Volcker. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure many of you have seen, many of our listeners, a lot of the job cuts, especially in tech. We're seeing that quite a bit in more of the experimental areas of business lines, seeing it in banking as well. But these are areas that are you know more cyclical, and this is in line with what we're expecting. If that you know started to bleed into other segments that are more consistent with real economy, then that's more concerning to us. Yeah. But we're, we're not, not there yet. That. Yeah, no, we're not there. Not seeing that. So what do you guys, how do you guys feel or what are you thinking? And I'm, I'm, again, there's just a lot of information out there right now that's, that's really opposite viewpoint. I mean, it's just a mixed bag uh, for where we're going to be in, in the end of 23. And I, it's hard to even think about talking about December of 23 when we just got through December of 22. But yeah. that's pretty much what we do in January. We start trying to predict the entire year, you right. know, when we don't have enough information. But, but where do you see... Uh, investor sentiment taking us because in basically you know we had this massive rally in 21 which really was a result of the retail investor and everybody just piling in and just a wall of money uh, it was just a wall of money what do you think about investor sentiment for 23 actually i'm really pleased about that because you know we're a bit of contrarian and so we came every Tom, Dick, and Harry was calling for this market to sell off in this first part of this year because of earnings uh, expectations coming in less than uh, forecast, as well as profit margin compression. Those mm-hmm. are their two wild cards. Earnings kicks off Friday. We'll be dealing with the next three weeks. That's what everybody's going to be focused on right now is margins and earnings compression. However, we're seeing earnings actually increase a little bit, but that sentiment was so bearish coming into this year that it creates opportunities mm-hmm. like things like this do so we think for the year uh i want to point this out is when stock market is a component of the leading economic indicators leis it's six months the stock market what we're pricing today is the future yeah so as we get to the end of the hiking cycles you can start to see the market which might be seeing the first part of this year price in that end of that cycle so you'll get a lift in markets on that it's not as strong as when the bull market, the upside, is not as strong as when the Fed actually starts cutting rates. That's where we get our, our juice. So we're in a point where I kind of see the economy repairing. We have focused in the last year on dividend and interest-paying stocks that pays us a lot of income. We've increased that. I think we talked fourfold yeah, or so. Right. That's carrying us through this year. I would rather be long the market. If I have cash in here, I would start trying to accumulate positions. We may have seen the lows at last October. They may have already baked in. Mm-hmm. We're still at attractive valuations if you have you know, that extra cash on the side to start putting to work. But really, like Glenn was talking about the earnings story, that's ultra important. And the funny thing is we talk about outlooks. Everyone was neutral. Everyone was expecting no earnings growth. Well, now all of a sudden, there's a little bit there. 10%. You know, 10% on the year. the year. So That was always a proxy too. I mean, you know, if we got a forecast, if we're in the forecasting game, what's your expectation of, of returns in the market? What's the earnings growth of the S&P? That's my quick you know, rule of thumb. That's yeah. what I expect for the market. I'm showing 10% now. And, and what this all means to me 
is it will the Fed be successful at what we call a soft landing of the economy? I kind of think of Captain Scully landing that in the Hudson River, that plane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's the yeah. challenge the Fed has is they got to be Captain Scully in here. And it's very, very difficult. But that's one of the things we're going to be dealing with. And what does that mean, a soft landing? It means we don't have big unemployment. We don't lose a lot of jobs as the Fed's raising rates. Jobs have been holding in. Unemployment rate, I think, still 3.8. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. still doing quite well. It is quite possible we have a soft landing and they're able sure. to engineer it. I and many others were quite doubtful several quarters ago. But with this strong economy, uh, it's given us a lot more confidence yeah. with, uh, with the room that the Fed has to run with. So another thing I'd like to, to talk about, in part also moving the portfolio to more value-oriented companies to kind of carry us through this year yeah. with the volatility. We don't see that going away just yet. No. Uh, <laughs> not at all. But in addition, we're, we're starting to see some very attractive opportunity internationally yes. for, for a number of reasons, like we talked about too with, with the energy uh, situation going on in Europe, but also from a strict fundamental standpoint, there's a couple opportunities that we've uh, taken advantage of over Asia, those kind of areas, where they ripped the Band-Aid off, China ripped the Band-Aid off, COVID zero, and their reopening is much stronger than anyone anticipated. Because of that, you know, this is their PE multiple of this uh, certain basket emerging around 11, and that's very attractive to us versus an S&P that's still around 20. That being said, there's relative value outside of domestic equity. We have focused on, you know, two years ago when everything was blowing and going, there's a trade called momentum. That's a factor. And, and really, you want to ride price momentum, and mm-hmm. which tended to be the big earning big tech gap stocks. Right. When you have a higher capital cost structure, 5% Fed funds. Yeah, versus zero. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're a growth tech company, all you know is growth mode. Mm-hmm. You don't know how to cut spending. You don't know how to do that. So that, that group is going through a lot of painful cuts in right. labor and all that. They'd overhired, et cetera. One thing I'll point out about some of some of the changes in the portfolio, and it's something that we mentioned, I don't know, several back, we talked about the revenge of the old economy. Right. right? Yeah. So it's that shift away from those growth, growth, growth momentum stocks that you're talking about, going back to yeah, valuations matter. So that's yep. one of the reasons we led international is we, we saw that the value on a price earnings multiple other characteristics sure. were cheap. Another thing about China, we can debate all you want about issues that China has. There's no question about it. U.S. has issues. Everyone has it. But what China is doing, and I want to remind folks that when COVID hit, the reason we rallied so hard was the Fed and the federal government came in with stimulus programs, right. cut rates, et cetera. Boom. Whenever that money flows in, it lists assets. That's what's happening in China right now. They're addressing their property markets, yep. uh, re-engaging. Some of the companies we have, they're investing in uh, commodities, metals, things of that nature, are really lifting right now off the China story. Yep. So you can, you know, we can debate the merits of China and all that, right. but yeah. you can't debate the money flow that's coming exactly. in and what and it does to assets. Not only that, you know, dollar strength, you know, it's, yes. you saw the peaks. So now it's starting a week. That bodes well for international trade. It does. Weaker dollar, uh, all that stuff's coming to play. So we've shifted the portfolio. And we're not classic asset allocators in the old Ibbotson yeah. Markowitz model. We're tactical allocators. So we've been out of international. I've tried to go in that market, and I've had a little bit of issues 
But I think now's more you'll see more of that go. You're seeing it in, in precious metals like gold, and that simply gold's at nine month highs because of the weakening dollar. It doesn't have that competition. That's another thing something like gold has competition with is treasuries. If I'm getting paid five percent, gold doesn't pay Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? right. I mean not a, <laughs> That's right. Uh, I'd rather have five in a hand than I would, you know, exactly something that someone's to steal from me. And I right. Well, and I think what you're you're yeah. really touching on, and it's something again we say it all the time, and I, I I hate to kind of repeat ourselves, but ultimately we're fundamental investors. Right. We're looking at the underlying math behind all of these things when and we're macro making these decisions. Allocators too. Momentum, like you said, that momentum trade, that wall of money, growth, growth, growth. You got to know what you own. You do. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, what happens uh, too is now or never, but stock picking is back in vogue because of the valuations uh, with this higher capital costs. Yep. So that's an area in the portfolio where you're seeing more active. We believe in a semi-efficient markets mm-hmm. and all that, we, but we also understand people are human and they get fearful, fearful and greedy and they react to that. Right. We try to take advantage of that. But uh I'm optimistic on the year. I, I think I'm probably in the camp that it's a single-digit type return year. Now, I say that, and then, you know, last year we were talking, and two months later, Ukrainian war. Right. So you, there's black swan events out there that we can't really forecast. Sure. But what we know today, Keteris Paribus, I think mm-hmm. is the economics term, as things are today, we've got a Fed that's kind of starting to see the end game. We've got corporate profits that are doing decent. I've got very attractive yields in the fixed income space. That old 60-40 is back in vogue. Things look pretty good for us. So I'll throw in another little little bit of the uncertainty. Politics is definitely one of those things. Global politics is something we cannot control or have you know really have no crystal ball on at all. But something that you've pointed out around here, you know, for the U.S. particularly, is the debt ceiling. And that battle that yeah, we may be looking at, you know, right. mid-year. Thanks for bringing that up. Now. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like it, you know, we needed to mention it. But we still do have the Russian-Ukrainian war going on. Believe it or not, I think people are actually not listening to that as much as they were. Right. Um, it's getting not off the getting, front page. Yeah, it's getting off the front page. Um, but it is still there. And then, of course, we have the debt ceiling and what's been going on just with, you know, the Speaker of the House battle. Yeah, that makes you kind of, that's a prequel, right, to what yeah. will happen over the, you know, the debt ceiling. Uh, and that's going to happen this summer. It may come quicker than we think. I saw some of the recent bill auctions came in larger than what we had anticipated mm-hmm. as analysts. So the government's rapidly going to hit that debt ceiling. The group that's coming into power within the Republican Party are deficit hawks. And so you're going to see a lot of backroom trading on deals and I am concerned that we could see another government shutdown like we had in 2011 uh, because of the inability to do that. You know, you got to pay your bills. We have a constitutional right. And What we're really talking about and where the deficit hawks, not a bad thing to have them around. As these interest rates go up and the government having to pay more interest, you know, if we think of the budget pie that the government deals with every year, there's been a, a narrowing slice for interest expense, just like your home. Exactly. Right? Yep. That now is growing. So what gets crowded out? Is it military spending, defense? Probably not. It's entitlement programs. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be the big fight. It's not a bad thing to have deficit hawks. It's, it's a good thing. I don't think we're in a situation yet where we saw like in UK, but... That's going to be the political drama that comes into the markets this year. 
I think just to, to kind of wrap it all up, again, I'm, I'm going to be a bit of an optimist here. There yeah. can't be any way we could ride a more up and down roller coaster as we did in 22. I'm hoping for a smoother 23, but there's still a lot to look out for in 23, it sounds there like. There is. And, you know, you have us here, Royal Harbor Partners, focusing on this every day. We live, eat, and breathe it. You know, and this, you know we're, we're working for you. Well, Happy New Year to our followers. Thank you for listening to RHP Market Talk as we kick off this 2023. I just want to let you all know out there that RHP is growing. We're being given the opportunity to help more families, more business owners navigate their investment journey. And for all of you out there, it's really thanks to you. We'll be adding some new team members this year. Our website's getting a facelift. Be on the lookout for more communications from RHP on all the new things to come in 23. Check us out on Facebook and on LinkedIn. If you have any questions or you'd like to discuss today's topics, please feel free to contact us through our website at royalharborpartners.com. At RHP, we're passionate about planning for your financial future. Through our one-on-one conversations, we can help you navigate your personal wealth management and investment journey. How different will your life look with the right advice? Thank you both to Jason and Glenn for joining me today and having this great conversation about markets. Appreciate you, Natalie. All right. Royal Harbor Partners is a registered investment advisor, and the opinions expressed by Royal Harbor Partners on this show are their own. Registration of an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.